Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live on a breaking news day where there is so much going on. It really is too much news to cover, so we'll probably go even longer than an hour tonight. How are you, Eric Garland? It's good to see you again. I'm good. I'm just waiting to see who gets indicted in the next five seconds. Having you fun. Think, oh, why, why do you think in the next five seconds? Just because it's been happening at such a great uh, rate in the last few days? or Yeah, yeah it's been like, five, like four minutes and 36 seconds, so... You know, <laughs> um, it is certainly a busy news time for us. And of course, the big news of the day is what happened in New York City, where there was a smoke and gun attack on a subway train in a subway station in Brooklyn. We'll go into a lot of detail on that. We'll look at some video and analyze all the latest information, probably stuff that is not on the mainstream news, as it were. That's coming up. Plus, there's new audio tape of Roger Stone's assistant or a colleague, Jason Sullivan, who seems to be on this audio tape talking about an insurrection in great detail. And that builds on to what we spoke about last Friday, about what was the command and control situation in the White House? Was there a situation where the president of the United States or the former president of the United States was in charge of this insurrection from within the White House? That is going to build on that uh, conversation. And we'll look at some of the old audio tape we have of Donald Trump. Plus, of course, the war in, continues in Ukraine. You know, more, more words of war from uh, Putin in just the last couple of hours. He's saying for sure the war is not over. He's continuing. The peace talks have failed. And we are ready for another three weeks now of significant confrontation in Ukraine. And our friend Michael McKay will be with us later in the hour to talk about that. So that is a very full show for tonight. And I want to begin by taking a look at the uh, at what we know about the terror attack from today. And I'm going to call it a terror attack because I am going to be a little bit of an outlier here. I think there's actually a lot of danger in the, in the marketplace right now where people are disputing the fact that it might be a terror attack and leaning into the idea that it might be um, just a gun attack. I know those things might be interchangeable, but this is a, obviously in the words of the mayor of the city, this was intended to terrorize the system. That's his words. This is uh, Eric Adams speaking on MSNBC earlier saying, a person intentionally trying to terrorize. That's what he says. Now, there are different versions of how you can classify a terrorist attack in New York City. And, and this may not rise to that. And I'm not sure exactly what qualification the NYPD uses. But certainly, this was a premeditated event. You know, anyone who goes into a subway train armed and uh, ready with smoke, uh, smoke uh, device and guns, plus many other things, which we'll go through in a minute, is obviously intending to do it. It's a premeditated thing. And if you're going to do it in rush hour, clearly you're doing it in order to hit the most commuters that you can. Otherwise, why else would you try to do it at 8.30 in the morning or around 8.30 in the morning? Those are the main reasons. But as you'll see, as we develop tonight's show, you'll see that there's many other reasons that you could say that tonight's uh, attack was a terror attack. Now, you might disagree with me, Eric. I, I, you know, feel free to, because, I mean, obviously there's no fooled by the officials. But let me know what you think of whether you think it's a terror attack or not. Well, that's how terrorism works. You know, if it happened in Tel Aviv, we'd call it, you know, if some guys... You know, we're in their green bomb belts came into a cafe or whatever. We'd say, oh, those are terrorists. So right. this is a terror attack. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think it's very hard to escape that. And I think I understand the reluctance. But the danger is that now people are leaning into this is just another gun shooting. And if it's just another gun shooting, it's getting lumped into all those other gun shootings. And I say just a gun shooting. They're all terrible, of course. There's so many of them. But you can't just say, well, this is another mass shooting. This might be a mass shooting that's slightly different. All of those might have been premeditated too, but this one is appears to be slightly different than the others in terms of its scope and intensity. And we'll go through some of that in just a bit. I don't uh, think there's any value in getting numb to any country where people can run in and just shoot you and 
18 people are dead. And uh, like I said, well, I, you know, want to differentiate this from the other times 15 people might end up dead because somebody runs in with small arms. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to qualify all of those as terror attacks. Why not? They're terrorizing. You know, we make little kids do uh, active shooter drills and, you know, none of us really know how a trip to the mall is going to work out. And as you know, people in Israel do that all the time, even when there's an intifada going on. But it doesn't mean that there's not like an intifada going on. It doesn't mean that you don't bear the substantial risk. So I have, you know, language matters, words matter. And I have no problem calling this a terror attack. Another one. Yeah. And indeed, many of the mass shootings might be In fact, they all are terror attacks, as you point out, and they might all have some connectivity. We just don't know yet what it is. There's a lot of studying going on as to why America is having this this spate of, not even spate, it's now what, many years of mass shootings that it seems so incongruous with any other society uh, on the planet. And people are questioning, why is that happening? Uh, you know, and really there is no clear answer yet. Now we know at this point, 29 people injured as of uh, the last update, 10 people were shot. So that's 10 people that were shot directly by this suspect. Um, that means another 19 people had other injuries. There could be anything from smoke inhalation, could be just running, escaping, hurting themselves on the way. Who knows? There's all sorts of ways to get injured, but 10 people were shot by this alleged gunman. Five remain in a critical condition right now in hospitals in the New York area, but most of them in the Langone Hospital in Brooklyn. People are saying it's premeditated. You just don't uh, accidentally bring out a smoke device and, uh, and guns and everything else this man had onto this train. And it took place at the 36th Street Station in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. We'll tell you why that's significant in just a minute. And also at the timing, significant, 8.24 a.m., right in the middle of the morning rush hour. Now, rush hour these days in New York is not the same as rush hour used to be because less people have been taking the trains just because of COVID and work from home and a variety of other factors. So that maybe did actually maybe mitigated why, you know, explains why there's so few, not so few, why there are much fewer than there could have been victims. Now, they also, the other reason that it may have been far fewer than could have been victims is that the weapon that he was using seems to have jammed. Uh, according to the New York police. So they're saying that many more people could have been injured, but were not because the gun uh, jammed. Now, tell me a little bit about what you think about those scenarios and what those mean. The idea that it was intentionally taking place at uh, in rush hour, and then also the implications of people staying at home more and the gun jamming. Well, I mean, you, you know, when you ask what kind of killing is this, you know, the majority of homicides are between familiars, people that know each other and have some quarrel. There's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, domestic violence and uh, people upset over infidelities and whatnot. Anytime you have a mass shooting like this, we assume that uh, these 29 people did not all uh, insult the guy who uh, meant to do them harm. Yeah. So that's where I put it back in the terrorism camp here as far as you know you know doing it at rush hour well apparently you want to hit the most people possible and as far as uh gun jamming uh you know some of these guys are not professional soldiers and maybe don't keep their equipment in perfect condition which is a good thing in this case what can you say it's another mass shooting in the united states i don't have any other relevant intel i just don't want to get too used to these no, no, we certainly do not. I'm going to show you some very disturbing video that came out today. This is stuff that's been on Twitter, so it's nothing that you haven't seen before. But on the other hand, anytime you look at these live shooting events, are they're hard to look at. And there's some gruesome images here. So if you don't want to see those, uh, you know, now is a good time to turn away. And there are several good pieces of video that came out today. 
I'm showing different views of what happened. I'm going to start with the most important one, which uh, is from the train car just behind where this shooting originally took place. And this is important video because I think somewhere in here and people are speculating, speculation on Twitter that we can actually see the gunman. So I'm going to show you who that might be, who people are speculating it might be. But let's begin by uh, looking at this video. That is uh, just very difficult to look at. You're looking at a live shooting. You know, this is what happened this morning uh, at 824. Um, the sequence of events that people need to be aware of that happened as this, uh, this shooting took place, it looks a little something like this. And I've tried to piece this together from the various police reports today. That firstly, an individual on a Manhattan-bound end train in the train while it was still moving donned what appeared to be a gas mask. He then took a canister out of his bag and opened it. The train at the time began to fill with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people on the subway and on the platform. The shooting began while the subway train was still moving. Investigators initially believed the suspect boarded on the R train at the same station and fled at the next station, 25th Street. So that's how they believe he may have escaped. However, there's some other new information later on this afternoon that might uh, question some of that. So as we look at, at that video, Eric, any immediate thoughts on what you thought happened in that tape? You know, I'd need to see more of an after action report with more uh, with more detail there. But certainly it looks like uh, the shooter was near that area because you could see there were injured mm -hmm. uh, people, possibly seriously. But in that fog of war, not yeah. quite sure. Well, that's all the information we have for now, but I'll explain a little bit more of what we have in that video, right at the start of the video. And uh, I should probably play it for you one more time just so you can see exactly where it took place. There is speculation now that you can sort of see what some people are saying online is the actual shooter. I don't think it necessarily is. He certainly doesn't look like he's wearing the vest that everyone said he would be wearing um, or was wearing during the attack. So he might have taken the vest off, but I struggle to believe that that's the case. However, there's some speculation that this guy could be it. So I'm going to say all of that with a huge amount of caution that don't take this as, as, you know, as definitive in any way. This is just some speculation that's out there. We might even be able to dispute it here as we discuss it. So let's look at the first few seconds of this video. It happens 10 seconds in. So the guy's shooting steps out and you see this guy in the blue and then in a mask. I you know, it could be, it could be anybody, but um, what people are saying, and I'll just pull up the stills of that, and, and again, you guys can dispute as you will. I, I, I think I might be on the camp of disputing it, is that this is the guy that may have been the shooter because when you look down here at this particular still, they are saying you can sort of see some sort of weapon or something kind of coming out of there. I would hasten 
you know, to add that people should not take this as definitive in any way, but this is what people are saying online that this guy might be related to the shooter or the shooter. Who knows? You know, something I, you know, for everybody online, um, I would caution about speculation on events like this. You know, you really need to have as much information, as much as, as many reports from witnesses, as many video streams as possible, many of which that the security for, you know, organizations, whether we're talking about law enforcement or other, um, will be looking at usually a higher visual res. Um, they may have facial recognition cameras that they're working with. And these things can be can be worked out, but they're hard to work out on Twitter. Yeah. So I don't think we have, it, let, we have to let law enforcement job. A lot of things might look obvious on Twitter, but then you look at a different angle and suddenly, oh, that looks very different from a different angle. And in this case, I think that it has to be taken into account because we just don't know enough. But mostly the, the suspect it's himself is described as having worn a, a, a vest. I don't know if it's in here. A black male wearing an MTA vest, gas mask and tool belt. That did not look like that guy to me. So, you know, caution to people. Was it an MTA vest? That's still being questioned. That was the earlier reporting, but he was certainly wearing a working vest, a worker vest. If he was, you know, having ridden the New York subway many times, it's pretty common to see guys with those MTA vests because that's what they work. They're fixing the track a lot of the time. Um, so they look like they are, you know, perfectly normal to be on a train with something like a gas mask. Sure. Why not? Or a, or a tool belt of some sort, of course, because they're working on the track. If you're looking to see if something's a professional operation and, you know, by professional operation up to the level of nation state operators, they might have uh, the ability to do what's known as quick change because what surveillance in a situation like that is looking for is the profile. Uh, and, and you've you've shown some of this, how, you know, you're looking at this video. It's like we're looking for this kind of mask and a blue hoodie and this or we're looking at an MTA vest and a, ma a gas mask and a tool belt. You know what the pros will do is pull off an operational act like that. They might have two or three layers of clothing on, whip off the hoodie to reveal the MTA vest, place both of those things in the bag, and then remove full gas mask, put in bag, revealing second gas mask, you know, throw on a pair of glasses. You know, if you had a hat, take it off. If you have one, put it on. I mean, they would have really um, gamed out the escape period of time here that they would have thought about, hey, how do we get out of here unnoticed? Because we, people would have recognized the vest is, is basically what you're saying. That's right. And, yeah. you know, what What could cover that would be once you have the fog and, uh, and the smoke going, that'll cover up the identity of whoever did the thing and then switch it up while you're in, in the gas and then escape like you're a, uh, a victim. You know, uh, having a completely different profile that uh, the cameras would pick up, that could really throw off investigators for enough time for you to escape and maybe... Uh, you know, be exfiltrated from the country or whatever. Yeah. But again, I'm talking, that's if you're looking for pros and that's what the FBI gets up to. Yeah. Um, or in that case, you know, like FBI counterintelligence and then some DHS, you're looking for serious pros. You mentioned something so interesting there about the first they released the gas canister, then the shooting. I mean, that is a sequence that would require a fair amount of training. That is not the kind of, or at least practice. Yeah, you could figure your way through it, but you know, you've got weapons, you've got a secret, you got a, there was some spark on this canister that they took out. So they must have lit it somehow. So the smoke starts releasing. And then in, under those conditions where you've got all the smoke that you're inhaling too, you put up a gas mask, you're, or put on the gas mask first, I guess, but all that's happening in a sequence of events that you need to rehearse. I mean, it's not something you would just do on the fly. Uh huh. And if you're talking about, you know, the, the person they suspect, 
might have been the assailant. Because one of the ways, you know, by this time at the end of the day, they can have a good idea of what they need to tell everybody to be on the lookout for mm-hmm. is if they've got somebody, they, they see uh, he's on the video cameras, he's got a gun. He looks a certain way. Then they see the other guy. Maybe they see him throw the gun in the trash. And then, all right, there's a guy in a blue hoodie and he ran out this avenue. Yeah. Here where you've got multiple trains coming in and out and we're at the end of the day and it's not quite clear who anyone's looking for. If you have somebody that had the whole route planned off and knows the timing, which can be variable in public transit, but to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to get on. I'm going to do my operational violence on the N train and then I'm going to escape by the R train through this route. You know, the more variables that you enter into that equation the more that you're looking at somebody uh, who was trained and paid for and probably still paid for uh, by someone very, uh, very serious with serious resources. Mm-hmm. And that gets to the point of uh, a national security concern. We have to fit in a break, but when we come back, we'll track the movements that we know so far the shooting suspect took, plus a lot more details, including um, other coverage we have of that incredibly incendiary tape of, of Roger Stone associate on tape calling for an insurrection days before the insurrection that will play you some of the tape and of course the latest on the war in ukraine that'll be when we return hey everybody it's zev it's becoming more and more expensive to buy groceries and if you like me are trying to get all the nutrients and vitamins you need while still balancing a budget it's nearly impossible to get all the nutrients you need from the food you eat alone never mind doing it on a budget then it becomes absolutely impossible that's why i'm currently doing a 30-day self-imposed athletic greens challenge the plan is simple take the ag1 supplement throughout april and track any increase in energy levels overall well-being and vitality all while boosting my immune system today is day seven and the biggest fear people have about these green drinks is the taste i happen to love the taste of this drink it doesn't taste bad at all it tastes a little fresh a little tropical but not too much certainly doesn't taste like your typical green drink. So it gets lots of points in that. And that's why I've made it to day seven. Hopefully you will try this too. AG1 is engineered to provide all the right nutrients at just the right time. Whether you want increased energy or improved muscle recovery, they've got it covered. And because they care about your wallet too, AG1 will only cost you around three bucks a day. That's a pretty good deal. And there are no hidden fees. To make it easier for you and because they love you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash narrative to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we're back with Eric Garland on Narrative Live as we take a look at the gun shooting and the smoke attack that took place in New York City this morning. I'm going to just pull up the map and show everyone exactly where the shooting took place. This is the 36th Street station over here. And so as we zoom in here, that's that's the station over there. It's next to this huge park, which um, is really well known. And for, you know, everyone who's been to New York, and I'm sure that's a large chunk of our audience here, um, you would see that it's, you know, if Manhattan is here, that's the southern tip of Manhattan. You will know that part. And then this is Brooklyn. So this was uh, going into Manhattan in the morning, which is, you know, it would have been a more traditional place for a terror attack. If you're going to do a terror attack in, in New York, most of them tend to aspire towards Times Square. This is one of those trains that was heading into Manhattan. So that's something to take into account. He appears to be on the, um, what was it, the M train that he was on, I think, which is this track over here. And he appears to have escaped. Well, so they say on the R train, which would have been on the 
you know, as anyone who's been to the, these stations, you would see that there's a, um, you know, some of these have a train on one side and then they can cross over to the other one if you need to at rush hour. They're all timed to sync with each other. So the one train arrives, pulls into the station just at the time the other one is about to leave. So no one loses too much time as they're heading to whatever it is they're doing that day. And that's exactly why this particular station uh, is, was potentially a good escape route is that it had one track arriving with a train at a certain time and another leaving at exactly the same time. And they probably would have gamed that out. But, you know, again, who knows if that's the intention, if that's what they wanted to do. There's another train station, um, maybe a half a mile away from them. On the, and there's a 25th Street station that apparently off, off the R train, the gunman would have escaped there. So that's one thing to take into account into understanding what happened today that, uh, and why the gunman is still very much at large, even though we're a long time away since then. And we still do not have an arrest, although I believe they do know the identity. So uh, any thoughts about the escape route there? You mentioned it a little bit already, Eric, but uh, just you know, any other thoughts on that? Well, you know, if you've got uh, a lot of uh, time frequency of trains, which in some places is less than others, Washington, D.C. system's been getting messed up uh, increasingly over years. I wouldn't trust a very uh, intense kinetic operation to it. Uh, but if uh, New York's are fairly well timed, um, that might be, make this something that an operator might have a plan in advance and maybe just wanted to or was able to. Uh, unleash such an attack at the time of their choosing if they knew the morning schedules, but that's speculation. Yeah. Here's the 36th Street station again, and here is the 25th Street station right up here. So it's not that very much of not that huge amount of a distance. And that is a one-track station. You can see that doesn't have one of these crossovers. That just uh, It's just got its own train track that would be the arrival. So it's more of a local, uh, completely local uh, kind of train station at least. So that would have been very far away. And then they could have escaped anyway. There's a highway right here. There's all sorts of ways to have gotten away once you're there. And uh, even if the NYPD was very quick at responding, they would not have you know, been able to necessarily apprehend someone. The other fact of the today was that the security cameras at the 36th station were not operational. You might think that's suspicious. However, if you've seen how you know, worn uh, the New York stations are and they're still using technology that's a bit dated. Um, they still actually have to go and physically retrieve the video. But it is unusual that that particular subway station did not have any video. Now there is a station it didn't, where... It didn't, have, it didn't have any video. Yeah, yeah. Any cameras at all. So there's that. There's also the, where the suspect would have stepped onto the train, which we don't know the subway that he did that. Already left. There would all been cameras. Where are the video that well then the next questions i have uh you know and i imagine the fbi will have will be um how long were those cameras out because mm -hmm. that's what they're there for it sure is um there you know there was a thing that happened up the street from there the manhattan correctional center i think uh, they had a certain mr epstein who was in jail there and then all of a sudden it's like the two guys fall asleep and the camera goes out yeah. they've since taken those two guys have since taken plea deals so there's still something to learn there but anytime you know if you're talking about the regular operation and there's you know video and this and that uh and everything's it's normal and then there's a violent uh terrorist attack like this you know that gets one level of treatment but once you start talking about you know critical systems went down all of them at once mm -hmm. and that's exactly 
you know, when this kind of action happened raises a lot more questions. Well, this is why we still do not have a photo of this guy. And I've, you know, I've been working in New York News for a long time. I certainly, this is a very long time for the New York uh, media not to have some sort of photo of, uh, of the suspect. I mean, this is 10 hours later. I, it's very unusual. Um, unless, are we looking at this? This is Frank James. Uh, I guess they just put up a Frank James is the person they said they're now looking at. I'll pull up that photo in just a second. Um, so they now do have an identity, but the fact that it took 10 hours or, or so to get there. Wow. That's a long time for the most cameraed city in the world. You cannot walk more than a foot in New York City and not be on several surveillance cameras. I mean, it's just, there are so many. I remember doing a story at one of the local news stations over there counting how many cameras you tracked on one block of New York City. And it was like a hundred on one block of New York City with all the bodegas, all the, uh, the security cameras on, on ATMs. You would not believe how many, all these security cameras in each lobby. It's just endless cameras that you were constantly being tracked on in New York City that it would be very hard to escape without being caught on camera. So that's a significant factor. I want to play more tape as I quickly look at that Frank James uh, piece of video. But this is, again, disturbing video. So I warn you to, you know, if you don't want to see this piece, turn away. This is um, the moments after the train stopped. Shooting had already transpired inside the train. We can still see the blood and the victim. So warning about that. That is a very um, challenging video piece of tape, but clearly this was a, an intended attack in order to create, you know, these are unknown victims, as you said. These are, this is an attack intended to create fear. That's the only reason you would do something like that. There's no connection, as far as we know, between the victims and the shooter. And there's just a randomness to who he was shooting. There's no specific race he was shooting at. There's no, these are not people he had worked with or anything like that. This is just, as far as we know, these are just random uh, passengers on a train. So the intention is, is terror. Looks like it. Yeah. Do you, uh, as we look at all this video, you know, it is a different time these days where you, it's very hard to do something without someone catching it on tape. That is a very big uh, thing for people in, in the law and order business because it means it's much easier to apprehend and you've got much better video than before. But that is a significant factor in, in how they will be able to solve this case, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, if uh, the normal cameras that um, festoon all, most of the infrastructure in New York all of a sudden didn't work, well, that's, that's them, the big but, question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in the station or wherever this happened, um, yeah. that raises the most questions. It certainly does, right? Because how would you get access to that? How would you be able to, you know, that requires a certain level of access and seniority that would require just a lot of planning and also ability to access that would mean someone on the inside, really. I mean, how else do you get to those systems to be able to manipulate them? If you were manipulating them, uh, that, that would be unusual. That would be a, a significant tell for the uh, police. I'm not making a causal connection, but you know, the story I've really been following this morning out of New York has been the uh, resignation of the Lieutenant Governor Ryan Benjamin over federal bribery charges. Mm. So between the morning and the afternoon, 
went from uh, apparently he was arrested on federal charges to uh, his resignation from his position. That is interesting. Um, and that didn't, as you pointed out, didn't even make the above the fold section of the New York Times. There's so much news going on right not, now. You know, not, uh, not in the politics section, not in the uh, New York section, and not in the main section. Telling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, these are, um, well, I went on their Twitter feed, just, you know, you want to compare apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't take issue with the fact that this is about, you know, it's a New York newspaper. This is a very violent event. There were lots of tweets on this. But in the same period of time since this attack went down, you had an equal number of tweets from the New York Times about Britney Spears as you did um, the mm-hmm. lieutenant governor resigning. Wow. I mean, the New York Times is not the New York Times we used to know uh, since uh, 2016. It just hasn't had credible coverage, in my opinion, because they missed the biggest story of the period, which is you know, exactly who Donald Trump was and is. And they knew. They knew. Who oh, they, um, they did more than miss it. They, uh, they created stories that weren't stories. Right. right. Yeah. They made up narrative for, for the him, it appeared. This is the suspect, um, well, the person of interest, I should say, uh, Frank B. James of Philadelphia is the person of interest. And we'll explain why Philadelphia in just a second, because that is where the U-Haul truck that they found was originally rented from, was rented in Philadelphia. So it says, the you know, just quickly adding here from the CBS News report that I'm looking at, actually no much more detail on him, just that they've issued this picture. Uh, this is Frank James. He's a person of interest in the shooting that took place on the N train in Brooklyn Tuesday morning. Anyone with information on his whereabouts asked to call 1-800-577-TIPS. Uh, the U-Haul van was discovered on King's Highway. We'll show you that in just a second. So this is the guy, Frank James, 62 years of age and from Philadelphia. Now, they think this is a person of interest because they found a credit card inside the train. Amongst the things they were able to find on the train was, was um, a credit card. So let's take a look at some of this evidence that they were able to get on the train, which is interesting. So they recovered the jammed gun and the extended magazines. That is an interesting thing, the extended magazines. Again, indicates this is not someone just walking around with a gun. This is someone walking around with a gun that he wanted additional ammunition for. In other words, we're looking to kill as many people or injure as many people as they could. But we also know that the uh, cops also found a slew of other weapons. So including that, that gun, they found a hatchet, a can of pepper spray, two gas canisters, a bag full of fireworks, and another satchel, so two bags really, holding what appeared to be a BB pellets also at the scene. So it's unclear if they all belong to the same person. The people could have been, happened to have been different people carrying those things, although they all seem to be kind of things you'd want to have at your disposal if you're trying to do something uh, malign like this. There's also an image of the bags. I don't have them available to me right now. They showed the smoke, bombs, fireworks, and some type of green wire. So who knows if they were attempting to do something else. All we know is that that's a lot of things to be carrying around um, at 8.30 in the morning on, for an average person in New York City. Yeah, I'm more of a coffee and egg sandwich guy at that time of day. <laughs> yeah. Like with the little green Greek coffee cups and the egg bagel where the bagels are really good. That's my thing. This is not my normal morning routine. Right. And amongst those things that they found was this credit card. Now, it's not described here, but it is in the other slides. But I will show you why they think this is the guy that they're looking for is because they found the credit card on the train that that credit card showed them that a vehicle was rented, a U-Haul vehicle was rented in Philadelphia, which is where the suspect is from. So 
right over here is where the or roundabout here is where the U-Haul was discovered. And I think we can get a street short view if we're lucky enough to do this correctly. So that's a uh, third street in Brooklyn, right near Kings Highway. This is where that U-Haul van or nearby where that U-Haul van was parked. And he must have boarded a subway train near here. Maybe not directly. Maybe who knows what he did when that was particularly parked. But this would be an area of significant interest. But there's likely a subway station near here for the N would be my guess. If I can get back to it. No, I can't. But nevertheless, uh, there's a, you know, there's a high potential there that we there's a, a train station near there for the N. You could have boarded the N train, gone to the 36th Street subway station or on its way to the subway station. Well, that's where the attack took place, and then he would have escaped on 25th Street, if all the uh, accounts are correct. All right, so that's... Uh, so go ahead, please. I was just going to say speculation. Need more after-action report and information yeah, for just, anything more. Yes, just because he's a, a person of interest does not mean he's the suspect. It just means that this, uh, you know, he could have been anyone on that train who dropped a credit card, and maybe it could have happened earlier. Who knows? There could be any number of reasons that card was identified. So, you know, people shouldn't jump to the conclusion at all that this is the suspect. He's just a person of interest. Although perhaps by now the NYPD, which are pretty good at this, would have looked at a whole bunch of other details as well. So I think, you know, the concern is the uh, suspect still on the run potentially could mean that he either could or maybe he's intending to do additional attacks. And that's the concern that people have in terms of how safe is the subway system. Of course, it is very safe. New York subway system is incredibly safe. But there is a potential that there is something going on where there could be multiple attacks intended by this particular gunman or who knows who else. So there's always a concern and that people are really encouraged to be on the lookout in New York City. You know, I was thinking a lot about the Israeli uh, terror spate recently where there's also been these sort of lone gunmen showing up in high density environments in Tel Aviv in particular, but in other parts of Israel, um, you know, randomly shooting just people, just no matter what. And that's it seems to echo a little bit of that. Now, we've only had one. So, you know, but people should be very aware that there's a little bit of concern that uh, without this gunman apprehended, people, it's still an active shooter situation. There's still a manhunt underway in New York City. And that's worth uh, keeping an eye on. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative. And stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.